Good evening. I am Queen Love, the self-love guru, and I coach newly health-conscious women to find self-love. Together, we will remove the F in fear, and I'll be the ear who intuitively listens and empowers you to destroy perceived limits so you can live your best life. Peace and love. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Hanging Out with Love. Um, today, we're going to be discussing poverty. So he has already been on the show before, but I'm about to let you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone. Howdy. It's Aunt Lai. Hope everybody's having a wonderful night. Awesome. So let's talk about these poverty statistics. So first of all, the reason why I wanted to discuss this is because I'm thinking about all of the documents we have to sign for school. Um, when you look at the FAFSA form, when you look at any other form that you have to sign, they mostly ask about your income, even at the doctor. And so they collect that type of information so they can gather statistics on the people that come into their different offices. Um, and so if I know you guys are familiar with your zip code. Do you know what zip stands for? I would think usually the narrow down on where or the sort of area you live in but do you know what a zip code like do you know what it stands for um no zip area (laughs) (laughs) um i think the zip codes are made to show let's say i guess the governor of north carolina Wait, so introduce yourself. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm Ardisha Watkins, um, of course. Um, but I'll be joining in on this conversation. But I think that the zip code, it, it helps whoever's in charge, you know, to collect data. Um, it shows basically, like for instance, a zip code that has a bunch of, let's say, based on income apartments in that area, it shows... Like the zip code, I would say that we're in behind would be kind of in the upper level, like mid class or whatever. Um, but I think they narrow it down to, I guess you know, like I wouldn't say poor to rich, but it shows and it breaks it down. It breaks the city down itself onto which side has the most money or which side is getting this money or which side is bringing in this type of money. The income it, it differences the income for each zip code. Like why is this zip code, you know? going to apply for so many benefits and this zip code isn't you know so i think that's kind of how they do it how they keep up with the statistics with the the city population um that's my opinion i think am i right yeah so that's definitely a major part of it so they do look at um demographics how much money people are making but they also look at how much people are spending so i know you've probably been to um like a convenience store um not necessarily like a a grocery store but at the mall so let's say you go to bath and body works and they ask for your email address and then they're like what is your zip code so zip literally stands for zone improvement code and so they look at that zip code to determine like basically who's shopping here so they look they would look at their stats for bath and body works and say okay well 
27607, they tend to shop here a lot. So these are people in the area. Um, if there's a surge of people who come from another city, they want to know about that. So that zone improvement code shows who shops at what place. Even when you use um, like your MVP card at Food Lion, they ask for your address, you put your zip code up there, and all of that information is tracked every time you swipe your card or you type in your phone number. So most definitely. So I was looking at the poverty lines. And so basically, if you're below this threshold for the poverty line, then you're below the poverty line of the United States. And so this is from the United States Department of Health and Human Services. And it really stood out to me because these numbers are really low. Um, and I feel like there are so many people who are below certain poverty lines and aren't even cognizant of it and exactly what that means. So um, I'm sure you've heard your parents say like, oh, yeah, we're a check away from the unemployment line or we're a check away from being homeless you know, because a lot of people don't have savings. For another day, another dollar. <laughs> that's how I grew up hearing it. Another day, another dollar. Well, yeah, that's true. Because let's say, like, you wake up one day and then you're not allowed to go to work or take advantage of those opportunities. That can set you back, depending on, you know, if you're in a good financial position or not. So... The poverty lines are based on how many people are in your family. And so for a one-person household, it's at 12490 For a two-person household, it's at 16910 And this is per this is annually. So like think about $16,910 for two people. That's not a lot of money. So you think about food, housing clothing, shelter, um, which it, that can be included in housing, transportation. Um, and I mean, what else do people need? Medical expenses, right? Their bills. So Daily looking bills. at the lights, um, groceries. Not even including recreational shit people like to do. Right. For example, I like to smoke cigarettes. I mean, that's daily habit. People have daily habits on a regular day. Some people might like to drink. Some people might like to smoke. Some people might like to just go to the corner store and buy a little Hershey Hershey cream for <laughs> No, that's true. I mean, that's a habit for a lot of people. Like, they like, I got to get my scratch-offs, you yeah. know. So, looking at these demographics, um, a lot of people are unaware that white people are predominantly the ones on government assistance. People would like to think that it's the other way around, you know, like black people or they blame Hispanic people a lot. People from Hispanic culture because they're like, oh, you're coming into our country. You're using up the resources, but they work the hardest. You know, like we bust our asses to provide for our families and do what we're supposed to do. Especially at a minimum wage. Exactly. And then in addition to that, if you're not a U.S. citizen, you're not eligible for these benefits. So it doesn't even make sense to blame certain situations on people who aren't considered U.S. citizens. So what I found in my research was that 40% of SNAP benefits, which is the supplemental um, food assistance program, are white. Um, and only 25.7% of SNAP benefits go to black people. So that's like double just about of the amount. 
um, white people without a college degree ages 18 through 64, with, that's a large bracket, um, were lifted out of poverty from welfare benefits. And that number was an average of 6.2 million white people compared to only 2.8 million black people were on government assistance. Now, do you guys know how um, like the WIC program started? I kind of was doing some type of research on it. Um, I know at one point, like before it got to how it is now, they used to kind of um, deliver it at like the front door or something like in the carton. It had basically everything that you needed. It wasn't no shopping that you had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how it started though. How did it start? So it started from the Black Panther Party because every benefit. So even when you look at um, like Dwight D. Eisenhower during his administration they had a bunch of different programs um basically to kind of help people grow and it was post-war so at that time people were just getting back from world war ii and even though a lot of black american men fought in that war they still didn't have any rights when they got back so they were still treated as second-class citizens even in the war they put them like on the front line so you get shot first you get blown up first you die first and then all the white people are in the back and so it's kind of like they were literally using them as human shields so when they created these different government programs a lot of black people weren't eligible for them because we were still disbarred you know from receiving different benefits and we could we definitely didn't have access to the housing So um, black people were suffering at that time. And so the Black Panther Party, you know, they were a militant group of individuals. They were not violent. They but they did believe like by any means necessary, sort of like with Malcolm X. And so they started to pull money together in the black community and create the WIC program. So it was actually started by the Black Panther Party. But if you look up a lot of the members of the Black Panther Party, a lot of them are still alive, but they're in the prison system, you know, like. You've heard of political prisoners. And so they're literally like locked up. They jail them and um, they're not allowed to get out. Like basically, if you go against the grain, you go against our system, you stay there. So some of them are still in prison to this day and they're um, advocating and still rallying to get some of those members out of prison. But yeah, it did start from the Black Panther Party. So now WIC benefits are primarily going to white individuals as well. So most of the government assistance programs are for white people. It's not designed for us, which is why it's so hard. Even I know you said that it was hard for you. When I was doing um, my undergrad, I wanted to go apply for food stamps because everyone's like, oh, you know, you're in college, you can get food stamps. I'm like, I would love that because I like to cook my own food. Um, I don't like to have meals prepared, you know, by the school. And so I wanted to go apply and um, I got approved for $16 a month and I didn't even get that. Like they were like, you're not eligible because you're a full-time student and I would have to be a part-time student to get food stamps. I'm like, what kind of shit is that? If I'm full-time, that means I really don't have time to work. But their assumption is that you have access to a meal plan, which that's not free. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, it's only available between certain hours. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So I'll go ahead and start with you, Aunt Live. What are some of the things that you've heard about um, people on welfare, like the stigmas that you've heard about? And then in addition to that, like, does this evidence alarm you? Um, 
it definitely alarms me but i also have a lot of criticism towards that area as in refers to people who's receiving you know government assistance and refuse to get off it and rather sit down and continue receiving it versus don't get off their ass and you know fighting fighting against it and working if that makes sense mm-hmm. a lot of people i realize from my past experience of watching and observing certain individuals they tend to bake and sit waiting on for example section eight and claims how section eight is gonna help them do this gonna help them do that for example such as like helping them with getting their own buying their own house in the future or some bullshit like that, you know, versus me. I'd rather not receive no government assistance and work using my own money, my own mindset. You know, I don't want to, de- you know, de- depend on, you know, the government to de- de- feed me, to de- de- clothe me, to de- de- house me, you know. But that's that's my criticism towards it. I, which I can go, you know, thoroughly all out on that topic, but I, I feel like I've said enough. I would just think that. Um, since you're from New York, there is a lot of Tons. a lot of government assistance up there. Like people, you know, the apartments, everything. Like it's just like they live off of it up there. Um, and they're very comfortable with living in the fucking projects. You know, going in, in pissy ass elevators, walking in the fucking staircase. You know, whereas mm-hmm. lights don't even fucking work, and people in there baking and waiting for people to. You know, catch people slipping. What? Catch yeah. people slipping. As in, you know, the projects in New York is it's towers, mm. it's buildings. So you could either, for example, you might live on the twenty second floor. You either walk up the no, it's usually double. It's twenty second floors, but it's really like forty something stairs. You got to walk up. <laughs> so there's sometimes people out there smoking or waiting to catch somebody, the rob for say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's dangerous. Or you could take the elevator where people constantly piss. You know? Why would you piss on an elevator? <laughs> people have no respect. You see, what I've realized from living in New York, I- I've lived in a shelter. So, it's a little small small story. You know, um, mom was able to afford paying rent. Other alternative was moving to shelter. You move in a shelter, and they have certain programs to help you, you know, be able to afford your apartment. You, you know what it's called? It's it's a it's a it's a program where it helps people who live in a shelter be able to. It's like a transition program to where. But they pay a certain amount of your rent. Yeah. Where you gotta to, come up the back half. Until you get on your feet. But there's a lot of landlords in New York that don't accept that because, for example, if this place is paying eighteen hundred a month and your rent is like twenty four. You gotta have to be responsible coming up for the back rent and being due to that cause. A lot of owners don't like renting people, renting homes, people like that because on a contract on paperwork they have to say that you are willing to accept eighteen hundred for rent. And if they say, you know, what I'm saying like, how can I explain it? There's lawsuits happening from that where people could say, renters could say, I'm not paying no more after the contract already signed and the renters is really is fucked 
It's hard to explain it. They, I need so people who it. are renting it out, they're fucked because there's already a contract in place that saying says, that you are I'll accept, accept that, accept it. Yeah. You know what I mean? On paperwork. But on the back half, saying I'm renting from you, I, in the long run, I can just be like, fuck you. I'm not paying you no more money. Besides you the You can't take me to court because on paperwork it's saying you are willing to accept this assistance and you only getting paid 1800 mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you got to willing, you gotta be willing to work it out with the landlord and hoping he'll accept that and he'll accept you paying them, you know, under the table, the rest of the rent money. So a lot of landlords been fucked over to the point where they don't want to accept that those vouchers, mm-hmm. which a lot of people coming home from the shelter, not coming home from, well, getting, trying to get out the shelter, it's hard for them because they're not able to rent or they could wait until the projects is open and but nobody want to live in the projects you get what i mean mm-hmm. so it's very tough on that end wow what about you arnisha do you think that these stats are like alarming like is this new information for you that white people are or the majority on assistance um it is um it is alarming because all the time i hear how our black community are the main ones on welfare. How they knock us down so much that, you know, it's like, hey, you know, you guys are the ones that's always on benefits and things like that. But in our reality, we're just the ones that are getting shamed. We're not the ones, you know, like they're keeping quiet about the Caucasians that are on welfare because why would they bash their own kind, you know? Right. And I would believe that that actually, like you said before, um, that welfare has helped them succeed in life. Mm-hmm. Because that is the mindset that probably maybe a few percentage have um, to where, like for instance, if I was to get Section 8 right now, my rent is a $1,000. that will be $1,000 I can keep in my pocket. $1,000, which means that I can invest in. Invest into myself, invest into a business, invest into a home. So, of course, you know, with the stamps as well, I don't have to pay out of pocket for food right now. So, I'll be investing in myself while I'm on welfare. Well, welfare. And then, when I'm done, you know, I don't need it anymore. It's like, hey, I'm successful. Like, I've never, ever been on it. But, in all reality, that's what actually gave me the help, you know, to get on my feet. So, I mean, I believe it because I see it too. But it's just sad because you don't never hear about it. Mm-hmm. You only hear about either the Hispanics or the Blacks, which are people of color on welfare. So it's not surprising. It is a little bit, but not really, because I kind of heard it a little bit before. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's just there. It's, it's a shame in their game. That's how I just feel. Exactly. You know what? And I, I just want to piggyback off of what both of you guys are saying about the rates being high and and it is it is alarming i mean not to me because i've known this for a while but looking at the numbers i think that's very significant um that 40 percent and then looking at that 6.2 million of white people who were able to get off of this compared to the 2.8 million black so just to give you uh, another piece of history about black people on welfare Um, When they finally did advocate for black people to have access to government assistance, they created all these different stipulations to where the black man was not able to be in the home. So if you want to go live in the projects now, your husband can't move with you. So you have to be a single black mother 
and you have to have your kids in there. And if your man is caught in the house, you're going to get kicked out. They did that to break up black families. And so they've been doing that for years. In addition to certain food benefits, sometimes they will ask you if there's a man in the home. Um, I know even sometimes for benefits, they'll tell you that you have to put your partner on child support. And, you know, once they're put on child support, then you're able to get that type of assistance. So um, I think that's really fucked up. And so it's a lot of women out here. They don't want to put you on child support, but they're like, okay, this is the only way that I can get this kind of help, you know, so they'll do it. And then it ends up when basic problems happen within that relationship, it starts to make it seem like, oh, she put me on child support to be spiteful or da, 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 da. But you really have to understand what kind of system we're looking at. This system is created and designed to break up black families. So right now, 70% of black households are female headed. No man in the home. 70% of black women are unmarried. And that's terrible, especially when it comes to knowing like so many of them have children. So like who's raising these babies? And if you're looking at a female headed home, that woman has to work. So these kids are being raised by the school system, which they like to call the education system. Yes, and the streets. Absolutely. So it's a, it's really a crisis. And that's another reason why I want to raise awareness and, you know, draw attention to these numbers with these black men because they do have the highest rates of mortality and the highest rates of suicide. But if you're looking at okay, the black family's being torn apart, the black man is being broken down because he doesn't have his queen beside him. You know, so it's all systematic. So what do you guys think? I mean, like, let's say we created our own alternative and we were to, you know, like invest in apartment buildings where people could live and get on their feet and could thrive. What do you guys think that that would look like? And do you guys think that it's possible? I definitely believe it's possible, but sorry, it's getting to me. I definitely believe it's possible, but, um, if I can change it in any form of way, it will be first by improving, obviously, the black community. Um, how I would do that is possibly, possibly by comparing it towards the white communities. Um, they live very wealthy. Obviously, we would need to bring the money in in our communities. Um, raise simple things like schools, for an example. Um, schools is the number one thing because when children is growing up they are like a sponge and they observe a lot of a lot of things that's going on around them so once they get older them things is, is stuck in their mentality which causes them to do or cause conflict when they get older within each other i'm not sure if that makes any sense or not but i would definitely improve our schools now, I think that we need to create our own schools, to be honest. I mean, I don't trust. So if you think about a man who's raised by a woman, may not have his father in his life. And then with the school system, the majority of teachers are white females. So if you have your mom at home and then you getting raised by a white woman at school, you're not going to have those strong masculine qualities. You get what I'm saying? That can only be put in you by another male role model. And so I think that looking at that type of system, 
you have to be able to take these young black men away from that. It's like it's death to them. I just, I just feel like it's a, um, it's kind of out of our control because it's like once it started, it's hard to end it. Mm. Like it just, it's, it's, it's a cycle because if someone or kids are raised into a home that their mom is using these benefits, they're gonna grow up used to those benefits. They're gonna grow up thinking, hey, I can get those benefits, you know. So I feel like we're set up to be stuck. We're set up to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're set up to be so dumb minded, like, hey, when they say they can get benefits, though, they don't care about anything else. And then, of course, like you said, you know, in order to receive certain benefits, that we have to, we're ordered to put our child's father on child support, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not right because most of the time the child's father is in the home, but we still need the benefits, you know? Exactly. Um, so it's like you said, it causes conflict. Like, oh, you're putting me on child support, blah, 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 blah. Which is not the, the case. It's just that, like you said, the government is trying to split up the homes. Um, but, I mean, I just think it's a cycle. You raise, you're raised in that environment. You're raised in that type of housing. You're raised by those benefits. You're going to grow up thinking or looking for those benefits, looking to receive those benefits, you know? Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you're taught differently. But, I mean, like I said, it's not just the blacks that are using these benefits, you know? Um, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it, it is the black people that are getting stuck on them, though. We're getting though. stuck. Exactly, yeah. we're because getting stuck. Mind, that's what it was created set, for. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're set up to be trapped. We're set up to not think outside the box. You know, they're going to keep giving us these benefits. You know, they love to see that the dad is not there. They love to help you out because the dad is not there. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we'll give you as much money as we want to. You know, you get as much food stamps or you... Even get work first. No, not even as much. What is work first? Work first is when the dad is on child support and you get a check every month. Mm -hmm. You have to put the dad on child support. If you're not working, they'll send you money every month. Like they'll put it on a card, like maybe like a few hundred dollars Mm -hmm. just to survive throughout the month. Yeah, just like that, you know. And people get stuck on it. Like you said, they get stuck. And that's what Mm -hmm. it is. They want us to be stuck. They don't want because if you think about it, what would it look like if blacks kind of our culture had more money than anybody else? We were, you know, we you know our history, so we're already like people are already intimidated by our culture. So if we were to, you know, start getting off of it, start becoming wealthy, or start, you know, not having to use it, they're gonna get scared. Mm-hmm. They're gonna start. Of course, they're already taking our our black men away which are the most strongest of all. Literally. Um, they're our backbones, but, you know, it's just, they're going to get scared, and, you know, it's going to be a lot of chaos, I think. They, so they keep us trapped in the system to where it's like a cage where we can't get out because we, we got, we're, they're giving so much treats by them mm-hmm. that we're loving it, that we're not realizing that it's better outside of the cage. Right. Oh, oh, I don't mean to cut you off, but a wise man once told me this story where it's a very old folk tale where this guy grew an elephant up right the elephant was a baby when he first got him this is a part of the story the elephant was a baby when he first got him every day when the elephant was raised was being raised it was tied up to a tree and it got older and older and older until it was full grown and as it got full grown, the elephant didn't realize that it was capable of breaking off the chains. You know why it wasn't, it was, it, 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 he didn't know better. 
because he was stuck in that mindset thinking that he can't get loose from that chain. You know what I'm saying? So when he got older, the elephant wasn't able to know that I could break loose from this chain because his mindset was stuck in that frame that when he was younger, he wasn't able to get out. That's kind of, I know it's a weird story, but it's similar to what No, that's that's about. not Thinking weird at all. The they know? literally, um, they discuss this a lot. And I wish I could just take y'all to class with me or stick you in my pocket or something. But we talk about this in, in my social welfare class because um, we talked a lot about policies and different policies that they put in place to sort of um, hold our people back, especially black men. So especially with this wave of mass incarceration, I'm not sure if I've ever told you about that book, but it's by Michelle Alexander and it's called The New Jim Crow Mass Incarceration. And it's talking about how even though they got rid of segregation and um, these Jim Crow laws, the new Jim Crow is the mass incarceration system where they implemented like the three strikes law. Um, and basically they started doing these mandatory minimums. All of that was designed for these black men. And so once you're in the system, it's so hard to get out. It's like they're in there forever. And a lot of them get institutionalized. So it's like once you're in jail or once you're in the prison system, you keep going back. I remember somebody that I used to date in Greensboro. It just seemed like he loved going to jail. Like every year he get out. He go in the winter and then he get out in the summer, you know, it's hot, you know what I'm saying? So he get locked right back up and it's like every year or he'll be in there for a couple years and then get out and go right back. It's a a mindset thing and people get so used to it, you know, when they be on the yard, they dapping each other. What's up, man? You back in here? What you do this time? Like it becomes like a game, you know, people get used to it, but it's like, do you really realize what's going on? Your freedom is being taken away. And literally, as melanated beings, we have to be in the sun. I know when y'all be in the house, y'all be like, I feel like I'm going fucking crazy in here. It's a reason for that. We need sunlight. We need sunlight. Like, we have to have vitamin D. White people get their vitamin D from milk and whatever. We can't drink that shit. But they get their vitamin D from the foods that they eat because they are allergic to the sun. We have to have ours from the sun because we're children of the sun so it's like why would you want to keep putting yourself back in that situation and believe it or not with welfare people don't get on government assistance with the mindset that they're going to be stuck on it they go into it just like you said um their mother was on it so this is going to help me i'm going to be able to save up do this do that but as soon as you start making more money let's say you finish your program you get a good job as soon as you start making more money boom your light bill so it's like my light bill was twenty dollars now it's 200 so now i gotta pay that you trying to go up on my rent of course, I'm going to be, but why do, why do I want to work? You're going to take care of me if I don't work. But if I do work, you're going to penalize me. So it doesn't help them climb out of anything. And white people know the loopholes to the system. And they also lie as well. So they're able to get ahead, number one, because they're white. So everything with that system is designed in their favor. But in addition to that, they don't tell when they have gotten a job they'll work 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 save up and then when they get kicked off of those benefits then they're able to go move black people don't have that luxury so then it's like back to mama house back to grandma house and it's it's devastating to our communities and i don't know um i know 
the situation with black families being torn apart is getting worse, but people don't even realize, even with the music, we're constantly being programmed. I think people like to focus a lot on pedophiles, looking at R. Kelly and um, looking at... Yeah, I mean, all of that is a distraction from what we're actually facing. That music is the most detrimental thing to the black community because they're preaching, disrespecting the black woman, putting your hands on her. They're promoting alcoholism. They're promoting drugs. Yes, promoting multiple partners. They're not educating people on, like, first of all, in addition to sexually transmitted diseases, you have spiritually transmitted demons. So literally, like, if somebody's dealing with alcoholism, they're dealing with drug addiction, and you're sleeping with that person, you're mixing with them. And so you can end up experiencing that same thing. Or if you're having sex with someone who has suicidal thoughts, and the next thing you know, you're like, damn, I feel like hurting myself, and I know that's not coming from me. That that connection, like, it matters. All of that stuff matters. And so the music is just promoting this fun, live fast, die young type of lifestyle. And they're promoting, you know, spending all this money, getting fast money and all this shit. And nothing in life comes that way. I can't even say, like, for myself, I'm an entrepreneur. And when I started my business, I had to do everything from scratch. Like, I'm still learning as I go. So Queen Care, you know, that's my baby. I've been in business for two years now. But I don't have anybody in my family who was an entrepreneur to, like, give me the ropes. People in my family, right, like, they went to college, they have pretty good jobs, but they don't have the mindset of, I'm going to start my own business. So I'm pretty much doing that on my own. You get what I'm saying? So it's like, if you're not educated on something and you don't have the mindset to go out and, you know, just start it on your own, you end up in the same spot and it's like who's gonna help all of these people get out of the situations that they're in because they're unaware a lot of people really think that where they're at is okay some people don't even know that they are below the poverty line because they're eating every day and they're clothed they live pretty good lives as long as people are comfortable they're like okay this is i'm good where i'm at until something drastic happens And then they realize that that's really not what it is. Like, you are not in a good position. So I think it definitely comes from education. But I'm looking into, you know, there's a lot of scholars, like even Dr. Umar Johnson, talking about starting a school. I know he is. Yeah, so young black boys. He's what? Muslim. I don't think he's Muslim. He's like a little bit lighter than you in your collection. No. That's That's not Dr. Umar. That man you're talking about, does he have piercings? Mm-mm. He wears a kufi and he does a lot of public announcements. There's so communities. many. I thought that was his name. I call them street scholars, you know, or like the conscious scholars. But there's a lot of them, you know, that I used to listen to like on YouTube and stuff. Mm-hmm. But even so, look up Dr. Umar Johnson. But he talks about the school to prison pipeline and how... The school system, you know how I was explaining to you about how they tell you to label young boys. So they're like, okay, he has ADHD. He's uh, five years old, jumping around in class. Yeah, he has ADHD. Put him on medication and control him. And so they'll offer the mothers, okay, well, if he has this medication, then we'll give you a check. And so then you get labeled as having ADHD. Then they start saying that you have other problems that's normally caused by the medicine, like depression, 
um, anxiety, all of that stuff. And then you have this child who ends up with mental, real mental health issues. Yeah, because they, they always say that the medication is what actually makes them worse. Because when they stop taking it, then they're already addicted to it. Their body's already immune to it. So mm-hmm. that's when they really are acting crazy. So it's like, for instance, he doesn't have his medicine. Or say you try, like, or say you try, um, say the doctor told you to try it on your child for what? A month. Let's see how he acts after that. After that prescription's over, now you're not trying it anymore. It's like, okay, I think he needs it. You know, he's going crazy. Of course, because it's already in his system that he's immune to those drugs that you gave him every day. You know, nothing was really wrong with him, but it made it worse, you know, because of the drugs. Right. He's addicted to it, and you got to understand, this is a, like, they're making money. They're making money off of these things. So, of course, you can go to a doctor. Sometimes you can't even trust your own doctor. They'll diagnose you with something that you don't even have. Literally. Like, you know, yes. It's, it's just sad. Like, it's just they're trying to make money. You have to keep people on certain medications. You have to diagnose them with certain things. So, they'll keep coming, keep getting that medication. Keep, you know, the cycle keep going. The, the world makes more money. Like, it's just sad. Yeah, and the pharmaceutical industry is fucked up. Yeah, very. Like, they want you on medication. I remember... um, I got an IUD um, implanted. I think this was in 2015. But um, I got the IUD. She's like, okay, it's going to be a little painful for the first few months, you know, because you have contractions. Your body's like, what the fuck is in here? And so um, I was having contractions really bad. But I wasn't, like, bleeding a lot or anything like that. But I did. I had some spotting at first. So then my periods, like, they got shorter and they were like, well, actually, they got longer. So it typically was five days. It went to seven days, but they were so light. Like, I didn't even have to buy tampons, pads, none of that. Literally, like, panty liners the whole time and I was fine. But. However, it gave me pelvic inflammatory disease. And that causes infertility. Exactly. Which stops the black community. Mm-hmm. The bleeding. Mm-hmm. That's why they're always suggesting birth control. That's why when you go in to have a baby, they're suggesting to get your tubes tight. That's why, you know, there's a lot of things that even some of the medication causes ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, it causes cysts. It causes, like... Yes, and I've had ovarian cysts before from too. that, too. Yeah. And that shit hurts. Like, you don't feel it at first, but I know... Have you ever had a pelvic exam where they're, like, pressing down? And they're like, does this hurt? And I'm like, ooh, what the fuck is that? And so she gave me some antibiotics, and, you know, the cysts went away. But if you can give me an antibiotic for a cyst, that means that it's caused by bacteria. Mm-hmm. And it was from that IUD. Mm-hmm. So I asked her to remove it. And she's like, are you sure we can give you some antibiotics? And da 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 And I found out later that the OBGYN was getting paid to put me on that medication. Yeah. Like, they get paid to administer certain medicines. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. It's all a game. It's all it's, it's just all about money and all about controlling, controlling what they can control. Mm. It goes all the way down from doctors, all the way down to law enforcement. Law enforcement, all the way down to judge judicial systems, all the way down to like a lot of things. Like and it's just sad because it's like who do you trust? But yeah. Um, yeah it's just like it's just like it's messed up 
And it's, it needs to change. It does need to change. But it's nothing we can really do about it but try to climb on top and take control and take, you know, over what is being controlled. And it's just sad because our black men don't really see it. They get mm-hmm. caught up in the streets. They don't see it. They get caught up in the streets. And then... They solely focus on, I feel like a lot of black men I've spoken to solely focus on the police because that's who's their direct enemy, like right there on the streets. You get what I'm saying? But it's larger than them. Who created those monsters? They have parents. You get what I'm saying? The people that train them, the system that they're brought up in because they witness that that mentality that black people are inferior you get what i'm saying even looking at like so there was a story about um i think he was 11 years old there was an 11 year old boy in mississippi who they accused of raping two white girls mind you the two white girls they were like um i don't know they no they kill not raping two white girls killing two white girls i'm thinking about another story with some black men that got accused of some crazy ass shit I'm thinking about the story with like the eight boys. I think that was in Alabama where um, they said that they the two white women got raped, but really the white women were scared because they were prostitutes and they were on the back of a train. And so those young boys were put in prison. They got life in prison. And I'm talking about they were anywhere from 11 to 18 years old and didn't do shit. So there's so many black people in the system who never, they didn't do anything. Like, they really was, didn't do anything. We were talking about that, too, as well. Like, if you put if you put a black man and a white man in the same courtroom with the same, same exact charges, why does the black man get more time? Why does the white man get parole or mm-hmm. he gets to walk free, you know, or he pleads insanity or something like that? Right. Like, why is that? It's like the first chance that they get a black man into the system is like... Go to the full extent on him. Don't cut him any slack. Mm-hmm. For a white man, we need him out there, you know, to keep continue doing whatever. But put them up because that's who we are afraid of. That's who we are intimidated of. We don't need them to succeed. We need them to stay down, you know. So I know it's a lot behind it. Why we didn't have talk before? Yeah, it's shitty. I always have that talk because I'm like, just, just watching the news. I'm a, I'm a news person. I'm a news addict. Mm-hmm. So I always look at the news. So I'm just watching the news and just seeing, like, how this person did that. But I'm like, hey, I could have sworn just, like, last week I read another story on how this man did the same thing. But, you know, like, why is he cut slack and the other one's not? It's just messed up. And they don't show. So I remember um, in class us talking about how when you pull up the stories on the news about black men or whatever who get in trouble, they pull up a mug shot or they pull up a really horrible picture of them. But yeah. the black people, I mean, the white people, they'll pull up like a school family photo or, family. or a family picture. Um, even for Dylan Roof, when after he shot up that church in South Carolina, they took that man to Burger King. Mm-hmm. Bought him something to eat, you know. Made it seem like he had a a psychological yeah. problem. Yeah. And it's like, get the fuck out of here. And y'all really going to let him off? Yeah. But I think I was just telling them, like, people have to really take matters into their own hands. Because if something like that hits my family, like, let's say that was my son. My son was in that church and got killed. I'm coming for everybody that you know, everybody you ever looked at is getting killed. Period. I don't give a fuck what y'all do to me. You already killed my son. What else can you take from me? Yeah. 
That's why you, you get really what I'm just saying. have to know your rights. You really have to know your rights. You know your rights, know your laws. But the laws are so effed up that you can't really, you know, it's like, damn, like, the laws are after me as well. Like, how am I supposed to follow what is against me? Exactly. And so it's only so much. You can be, I'm not against being a law-abiding citizen, but I feel like that needs to go out the window when you're talking about your babies. Like, or my husband, you going to kill my husband? You just going to come in my house and kill my husband and think I'm not going to retaliate? I'm definitely retaliating. We going to ride on your ass. And another thing is as well, like, of course, they want to lock all of our men up. But the, it's us too. I know, mm-hmm. but why is it that when we are set free, all of our rights are gone? You taken all of our rights, but but we've I, already done the time. I'm getting locked up for some bullshit I didn't do, but because I was locked up, I don't have rights to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I don't have rights to benefits. I don't have rights to voting. Myself. Mm-hmm. I don't have rights to voting. I don't have rights to a lot of things. It's meant to destroy, and that's messed up. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not fair at all. And what's fucked up about the voting aspect of that is that it's psychological because when we vote, so you know when we vote for a president, the popular vote really doesn't matter. It's the electoral college. So you're not, they're taking that vote as, like, statistical. You get what I'm saying? Just to show what the number is like, okay, more people like this person than they like the other. At the end of the day, the electoral college, based on how many people are in each state, is who is going to represent that president. So, why the fuck does him not voting even matter? You get what I'm saying? Because they know once a man is locked up or once a woman is locked up, they have nothing but time on their hands. And with time, you read, you think, you get smarter. Some of them. So, that's actually a threat to them. Why, you know, this man has gained so much knowledge while locked up. Mm-hmm. He's coming out. He wants to vote. You know, like Anthony said, when he was locked up, he read, 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 read so much, like on a lot of things, thought and talked to like politicals in there, you know, that are locked up for a long time or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, why come out and let them vote when they're they're kind of smart, you know, like they're not stupid, right? So it's like if they vote, they're of course gonna vote for them they think they should vote for but it's like they're not brainwashed anymore you know Mm. whatever um i mean to cut in with something that's slightly off topic but it's very extraordinary to me um have you guys ever seen like just on a typical day you look up and see them jets flying you talking about the ones that drop the chemicals on us Mm -hmm. mm-hmm what's your view on that um, well, I know that there there's not a damn thing we can do about that. But I think that's why I'm such an advocate for what you put in your body. Like, all my friends are always like, you always talking about what I shouldn't be eating and stuff. But I'm like, it matters because they're doing so much to our bodies that also has an effect with the food that we eat. You get what I'm saying? So if you're eating foods that are genetically modified... You're not feeding yourself things that will give you more energy. When they drop in those chemicals, it's going to make it worse. Like there are certain atoms in the food that those chemicals stick to. But if you're eating a clean diet and you're drinking water, like you're flushing stuff out of your system constantly, it won't be as bad. You get what I'm saying? Like we already fucked up, but at least I have the upper hand as to my healing because the body heals itself. I didn't think, I didn't believe that. 
Hill, I actually read on a story about that. Mm-hmm. How the government did that to kind of, um, it was like a little small town or something like that. I forgot what it was. Control the population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they killed them, like, you kind of killed them off a little bit. But the population control stuff is stupid because it's not that it's something wrong with the resources. The world self-sustained like Gaia. We have everything that we need. Plants continue to grow. They're cutting the shit down. They're destroying the earth. And white people do shit like that because they don't have a direct connection with the earth. Black people are very spiritual individuals. So like anything that God created, we like we connect with it. That's a lot of black people love animals. Like my Nana, she's a dog lover. She loves animals. Even like we used to have a dog named Prince. She didn't know Prince from Abraham. But every time she saw our dog, she was like in love with them. You know, we have a direct connection with the earth. We love being outside. White people don't have that same connection with the earth. They don't give a fuck. They like, oh, I want to put them all here. Let's tear all this shit down. So it's not as personal to them as it is for us. And so I think that a lot of people don't realize that we're dealing with savages. They came from the Caucasus Mountains. It was cold as fuck. Black people can't be in the cold. We're two different type of beings. You get what I'm saying? So dealing with these savages, you have to develop somewhat of a savage mindset towards them. Black people, like we're not violent. So that's why we don't have this big ass uproar every single time something happens because that's not who we are as a people it's just not and so we have to force ourselves to get into that mindset if you're dealing with a savage you got to handle the situation like a savage just like they say don't take a knife to a gunfight you dealing with a different type of weapon you get what i'm saying so why are you gonna take that blade and this man got an ak-47 you gotta match up to who you're dealing with you know but it's it's a rough but I, de- I know for a fact that it's not impossible. And as much as I can, I'm going to use my voice to educate people, let them know what they're looking at. I'm going to keep having conferences like the one that's coming up in April um, at Central. That's going to be my first conference, but I won't stop there. I'm always trying to talk to people using the podcast, using social media. Like I make a lot of jokes, you know, I like to have fun and and be happy but I still need people to know what they're dealing with like you got to educate yourself you have to read it's a lot of people that be like oh I don't want to read that book well find something that you are interested in and really get lost in it when you you know they say like if you want to hide something from a black person put it in a book and it's true it shouldn't be but it's true and I just don't see why you wouldn't want to read when they kept reading from you for so long like, our people literally used to get killed for reading. People would be shot. you get one of your eyes poked the fuck out. If they find out you can read or you can write, cut off your hand. Like, they kept this from you to keep your brain from a state of elevation. So, elevate yourself as much as you can. Learn as much as you can so that nobody can take it away from you. Like, your mind is your weapon. That's something no, nobody can take that. They can take your money. They can take your house. They can kill your family, but they can't take your mind away. That's your, like, your greatest weapon. So, when I have this conference, I definitely want both of you to be there. For sure. It's going to be fun. And we're going to eat. Good food. We're going to eat cheese, too. 
We can't, I can, I don't know what kind of, um, like, hors d'oeuvres, like, platters they have. I have to use Sodexo, because that's who um, Central's, oh, yeah. like, catering system is. I don't know. They, I think mean, they help. They do, like, I've seen them at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they be having some good stuff when they cook, mm-hmm. and they be black people in the kitchen, because it's Central. Mm-hmm. So, every, most of the staff there is black. But I love it. I really do. And I like the fact that I go to an HBCU now. I'm not going to lie. When I was fresh out of high school, I was still, like, real feisty. Mm-hmm. I was too, like, I didn't mm-hmm. think that I I should be at a place like Shaw. Like, I got accepted to Livingstone College. I got accepted to Shaw. And um, it was one more place I got accepted to. And then I got accepted into Meredith, which was my first choice. So instead of me choosing an HBCU, I'm like, maybe I should get around people that I'm not too familiar with and sort of expand my thinking a little bit and see if that works better for me. And I'm thankful that I went to Meredith because it taught me a lot about myself. Um, I think they really prepared me not just for like a job, but they prepared me just to be a thinker, you know, be proactive, like negotiating, negotiating my salary like for the job that I worked at um, when I was at the Alton Society, I had just graduated and they were like, yeah, we start off at $10 an hour. And I was like, well, let's see if I can get 12. I would rather have $12 an hour. And so um, I didn't accept or decline the position. I'm just like, talk to them about that first and let me know what they say. And then they followed up with me through email and they were like, the $12 an hour was approved. So you're going to start me off at 10. But if I would have accepted that. Y'all would have gave it to me. Mm-hmm. That's why I always tell them what I, like, this is what I expect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because they, they'll lowball you to see what you sell. Exactly. They know who to lowball, though. Mm. They know who to lowball. They're not going to just lowball everybody. So, I believe that. Yeah. That's how I feel. I got to pay the shit out of my job, though, when I first got hired. <laughs> you should tell the story. <laughs> he went in there in his um, old job uniform. Like, he was a vet assistant. Mm-hmm. Like, he just got off work or some shit. And then um, he was, like, telling me, like, yeah, I'm currently working at the hospital, you know. Basically, you see my scrubs. You see my, you know, name. Da, da. He's like, yeah, um, I currently get paid 15 an hour. <laughs> totally lying. Mm-hmm. But she saw that he knew his shit, that he knew what his worth was, you know? So she kind of, like, upped him, like, a little bit, like, okay. Like, so you know what you're doing. And totally, like, we were just bullshitting to see, like, how much we could get. I put up the major, the majors front ever. Like, yeah. I fronted my ass off. You were like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, he's a doctor, he works at the hospital. Like, you know, what he's doing. Like, yeah. It's like, you, you just have to be like that sometimes, like, because... Nine times out of ten, they can increase. They can they can approve what you want. Cause I mean, come on now. They, they just, have the money. They just have a certain, but not budget, but they just have a certain pay rate they would prefer to stick at to save them more money. But when they see that you're, you know, your worth, it's like, damn it, like we gotta get, we gotta give her that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I don't think people realize this, but you're the asset. Like, they want you because yeah. you the one that make them money. Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, if you name your price, they're going to pay you that. Mm-hmm. 
Because the, the amount of money that they making off you compared to what they paying you, they don't give a fuck if they got to pay you five extra right. dollars. Here you go. Right. Because yeah, you're bringing them more money. Right. More money. That's pennies compared to what they making. <laughs> but this conversation was really fun. Um, I think that poverty won't necessarily be eradicated because everything has to go in levels. But I definitely think that as a community, black people, we're not poor. And people have to stop having that mentality. If you keep thinking that way, then and we're operating that way, that's how we're going to stay in the same system that we're in. White people, more white people are on welfare than us. That has to be known. It also has to be known that we make a lot of money. Like black people spend millions and billions of dollars in different industries every year. And if we pour more of that money into our own communities and start supporting more black-owned businesses and building our own infrastructure, we'll be in a lot better position. But um, it's been about an hour, so I'm going to go ahead and close. Is there anything that you guys would like to say? Okay. Well, thank you all. Thank you, you, Arnisha. You're welcome. And thank you, Aunt La, for coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry I cut in too late. That's exciting. I'll definitely have to have you guys back one day. But um, peace and love. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Hanging Out with Love. I'm about to go ahead and wrap this up. If you would like to discuss any topics or suggest anything, please email me at info at hangingoutwithlove.com. I'm about to take my ass to bed because I can't even talk anymore. Like I'm so sleepy. (laughs) Good night, you guys.